All right, hey everybody, welcome to episode number one from Real Estate One. one. <laughs> Finally, Alex uh, <laughs> from Real Estate Investing Mastery.com. I'm real glad you are here. Um, go to our website, Real Estate Investing Mastery.com. Alex and I put together a tremendous, incredible, free set of bonus videos. Talk about um, who we are, how we run our businesses, talks about marketing, talks about virtual assistants, incredible free content. Go to our website, download those videos. I think you'll really, really enjoy them. And um, Alex and I have been uh, talking for a while about getting this podcast up and running, and uh, we're real excited about it. Um, we see a, a huge need in the iTunes podcasting world for good quality real estate investing education. And so uh, we're putting something together, and hopefully you'll like it and get something out of it. Um, Alex, how are you doing, man? Doing pretty good, man. How about yourself? Things working out well? Real good. The weather's nice. It's a good 60 degrees right now. Right, It's, it's crazy. It seems like... 60? I'm jealous, man. It's like 30 <laughs> degrees here today. You're I'm in, in Virginia. You're in Virginia. I'm in, um, I'm in St. Louis. Are you a VCU fan, by the way? Uh, you know, actually, have not been paying attention to basketball at <laughs> all. <laughs> Who are the Rams? It's not the St. Louis Rams. It's, <laughs> what is it? Virginia Commonwealth University? Is that what VCU stands for? Your guess is as good as mine. Wow. I heard they only have a few thousand students, like 5,000 students or something. Really? That small of a school? Yeah. And they're in the Final Four. Hopefully... <laughs> By the time that people are listening to this, they're they're thinking we are uh, just crazy whacked out because it was five, six months ago when this tournament was on. But, no, we're going to get these up sooner than that. Um, so, cool, man. Tell me a little bit. Um, you've been working on any deals lately? What's, what's been on your plate? Absolutely, man. Deals all the time. Deals, deals, and deals. Awesome. Um, this last uh, deal I've been working on um, – it was uh, kind of the, one of those uh, you didn't think was going to work out type thing, and yeah. still in the process of ironing it all out. But uh, this is a pretty um, junky area, um, you know. And and I was like, just threw out an offer to the guy of like ten thousand dollars to begin with. Yeah, I mean it's it's assessed at like two thirty, but you know I don't know. I, I probably because it's like four thousand square feet and it's a quadruplex. Wow, but it needs a lot of work. So I, I told my VA, I said, go ahead, offer ten grand for it. So he offers ten. He's like, ah, oh, I gotta get more than that. So I said, Okay, thirteen. <laughs> he's like, No, nah, I was hoping for more than that. Can you do fifteen? And and you know, I was like, Okay, yeah, well yeah, throw him fifteen, we'll see how it goes. And and that's kinda actually really where I wanted to end up was around fifteen, because okay. I thought that might have been a fair offer for the for the condition of the property. Right. Um, but obviously you don't just go out and offer 15 because they'll try to hit you for 17 and then you may end up at 20, you know? So that's, that's why I came in at that, uh, price like that. But so I tied it up at 15. Um, I didn't want to actually look at the property. I didn't want to go out there. And if you know anything about me, I really hate getting up out of my chair and (laughs) getting in my car and driving out to properties. I just, that's not me. So yeah, I, I found another wholesaler in my area that uh, you know was always looking to market properties and stuff. So I said, "Hey man, can you go ahead and 
you want to market this one? Yeah, you'll just have to get a couple pictures and a video of it and stuff like that. So he went and, and had that got a video and pictures of it. So that way, again, I didn't have to leave my chair at wow. all. So is yeah. are you gonna, how are you going to split it with him? How do you I'm work not. That out? Uh, only if he only if he brings a buyer. Only if he brings a buyer would, would he get a cut of it. So so you're also advertising it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Yeah, because that's easy. You could just do a text message or a, f- a phone call. You don't have to get up out of your chair to do that. <laughs> Unless you want to have some, you know, you could do some cardio texting or something. <laughs> text while you're on your treadmill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, um, I, I just, uh, I actually found a buyer and, and I'm in the, well, Actually, had two different buyers. One told me, "Yeah, I'll give you twenty-five for it," because I put it out there for thirty. So I said, "Okay, yeah, it's twenty-five. I guess that'll work." And um, <laughs> he he was kind of dragging his feet on it, taking a while. Tell me, you know, he said he had his hard money guy was good to go. He just had to get a contractor out there to uh, to uh, to see the repairs. And I was thinking to myself, "Oh man, I, this sounds like uh, wholesaling speak to me." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because you I'm give like, it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can't wholesale a wholesaler, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but actually, you can. You just got to be upfront about it. Right, but uh, right. so he was kind of dragging his feet, and then another buyer came along. He said, "Well, I'll give you twenty for it." I was like, "Uh, you know, twenty—that's five grand less." And I don't really want to do that, you know. So I'll kind of wait for this guy to get his ducks in a row. And he says, "Well, I'll close by Friday." So I said, oh, well, you know, Friday sounds nice. I'd like to have, you know, $6,000, $5,000, whatever. You know, it would be nice. But I, I still wanted to, you know, get the full 10 from this guy. And I said, okay, um, let me know what's going on. I've got another buyer interested, and he still was dragging his feet. So I basically settled out with this guy at 21 so I'll make $6,000 off it. It was an Internet lead, so, you know, I didn't pay much at all for the lead, like, I spend like ninety dollars a month um, with this with this website and sweet and they send you know I don't know twelve fifteen leads a, a month and it's basically all organic based so and um, your VA made the offer and my VA made the offer yes and those of you listening you don't know Alex uh, he's not a fat sloth that sits <laughs> in his chair <laughs> all day. He does he does judo kickboxing. He was showing me earlier on Skype a huge bruise about the size of a softball on his leg because the guy he was letting somebody hit him, I guess, over and over. Well, again. I was hitting him back, you know, we we're all uh, you know, you kick me, I kick you, you kick me, I kick you. It's all good. It sounds it's like fun. so much fun. <laughs> well, you got to get conditioned, you know. It's well, it's it's like um MMA style kickboxing stuff, so you know, I'm kind of a wuss, so I got to learn how to fight a little bit. So that's why I'm doing this. Awesome. <laughs> you know, it reminds me when I was in high school, I was I pretended to be the tough guy, but I really was a wuss. But I had friends that uh, would fight for me, and uh, nice. I, I would pick fights with guys um, who were picking on other people, uh, just because I knew my friends would do the fighting for me, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, boy, I had lots of memories. I, one guy, one of my friends actually got kicked out of school because of a fight that I started that he finished. Wow. Can you believe that? Were you in like, are you, what do you mean? You're talking like actual brawling fights? Not like that bad, but you know, there was, a, it was just in high school in San Diego. I, I had some friends, Hispanics, were kind of like semi-gang members. Oh, were you like in the 
kings? Or- oh, I was a wannabe. <laughs> Total dork wannabe. I, these guys were my friends because they just felt sorry for me, and we lived in the same apartment complex. And, wow. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, I was. it was like these guys that we were picking fights with were picking on other people that were unfortunate and didn't have any friends to... I mean, so I, I felt a little bit justified. Um, but there was one time, I don't know why I'm on this, but there was one time these these guys started picking a fight with us. And so I I had to be tough and pretend like I knew how to fight. And so we were all going to meet in this park after school. I was so scared. I was in ninth grade. And I was absolutely <laughs> petrified. And I had three of my friends with us. And we saw these guys, like six of them, in this back of a back of a pickup truck. And uh, <laughs> I took off running. I was so scared. But two of, one or two of my friends stayed. And um, some, some neighbor, whatever, came and, and broke it all up. But, man, I was, I was in big trouble with my friends because, okay, Joe, you're talking all of this smack and you're running away when the fight starts. <laughs> and you're leaving us out to dry. Uh, but anyway, it was right it was shortly after that that we moved. And it was a good thing. Um, boy, I that was a mess. But um, so you're you're just wanting people to kickbox you for fun? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. for fun, and you know, so that way you know if something did come up, and you, you could, you know, you got the confidence to where you could, you know, protect your family with your fists if you had to, you know. But um, <laughs> the key is you're not supposed to um, have to ever use it, but it's there just in case, you okay. know. Yes, very good. It's not like I'm going to go out to bars and say, hey, buddy, you know, I can kick your butt. Let's go. <laughs> you know, want to take this outside right now, me and you? <laughs> and it's not like that this is what this podcast is all about either. No, no, we're getting a little off off, right. off kilter here. Well, I, I guess a good, uh, a good moral to the story would be when you uh, automate your business and make fast cash, you can go learn to kick people's butts if you want. <laughs> You'll have the time and freedom to do so. <laughs> yes, that's so true. Meanwhile, in my free time, I go to Starbucks and drink a fat, calorie-filled oh, latte while wow. I work at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so hey, on this first interview, this first podcast, um, I'm going to I'm going to interview Alex. And uh, talk a little bit about, you know, what Alex does, how he does it, and uh, all that good stuff. Next podcast episode, uh, we'll, uh, we'll interview you, myself. But, uh, you know, let me just kind of introduce what this podcast is all about. Um, we're going to kind of bring you real-world content, real-world people that are actually doing this business, not gurus that have something to sell. Um, now, we believe in courses and we believe in coaching and spending, investing time and money in education 100%. And we're going to be referring and recommending resources to you guys as we find them. But, um, you know, the whole, the whole idea of this podcast is to give you a ton of great content that you can actually use to go out there and make money with. Novel idea. Yes, quite novel. So these podcasts, we're not going to pitch or sell anything in these podcasts. 
Um, when we don't have somebody to interview, we're probably just going to talk about what we do and, and how we do it. And, you know, Alex and I are big fans of marketing. We really believe in marketing, and we're probably going to be talking a lot about that. But we're also going to be interviewing people that are doing deals in the real world today, actually making money with real estate investing, um, and, and in all kinds of different strategies. Um, our favorite strategy is the fast cash strategies, getting making a quick nickel rather than a slow dime. But we're also going to be interviewing people who are really good at making slow dimes and making a lot of really big slow dimes. Um, but anyway, that's big kind of slow dimes. That's, <laughs> that's probably where we're where we're going, and this thing will probably evolve over time. But our goal is to have uh, good quality content out every week that you can download and subscribe to. So. Again, go to iTunes, subscribe to this podcast, and we'd really, really appreciate it if you'd leave a comment and rate our podcast on iTunes. And um, so anyway, let's get started here. Alex, tell us a little bit first about your background. What Did you go to college? Um, what were you working? Where were you working before you got started in real estate investing? Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I went to college. In fact, um I, uh, I mean, I kind of have an interesting background when it comes to uh, schooling and stuff because uh, the school I graduated from, I was the only graduating student of that year, and not because everybody else was an idiot, but it's because I was the only one in my class, so to speak. I went kind of like almost like going back to the one-room schoolhouse-type style, Um it was actually wow. called, yeah, it was actually called ACE, uh, which stands for Accelerated Christian Education. And uh, the, the way that worked was um, you kind of worked at your own pace through these uh, workbooks that uh, they gave you. Um, and you kind of taught yourself a little bit. And, uh, you know, there was an instructor there if you needed help. But it was kind of an interesting setup for school. But it worked out well because it kind of prepared me for, you know, what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And even yeah. though that came many, 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 many years, you know, down the road from there. But, um, yeah, so I went to that a school like that style. And then I went to a small Bible college, actually, called Northland Baptist Bible College. It's probably about so anywhere between six to eight hundred students there at any given time. So, um and I went and got a uh, pastoral studies degree. Oh, yeah? So, yeah. Yep. I, I got a pastoral studies degree because I figured, um, you know, that's, that's kind of what I grew up as. And uh, everybody expected me um, to kind of go that path. And I never really had a job before then. So I, I never really had any experience in anything else. And um, that that's just kind of the path I went. And I went and graduated a pastoral studies degree. And. Well, what happens after you graduate from a Bible college? Well, seminary is next normally for most people. So that's, that's, like I, a, that's like a graduate school? Yeah, seminary is a graduate uh, where you would get something called a Master of Divinity. Right. Your MDiv. Yeah. And um, you, you'd get to get that after, you know, another three, four years of school of, you know, pounding on the books and learning a whole bunch of Greek words and translations and all these things and and you know uh, a lot of you know there i i give props to anybody who who goes through it and, and makes it all the way through because it is tough let me tell you i mean like one class and expensive 
Yeah, inexpensive. I mean, one class, you know, you got to read like 15,000 pages oh, wow. <laughs> for one class. <laughs> and you've got to do this on top of your job, which, you know, now you have to do because you're not living on col- you know, at college and uh, mommy and daddy aren't supporting you anymore. You know, you're kind of doing your own thing. So yeah. y- you really get a taste of you know, responsibility in the real world and stuff like that. But, you know, one thing lent, um, went to the other and I actually ended up, uh, what my job while I was going to school was a, uh, security, uh, technician. So I was installing hardwired systems in people's houses, um, for Brinks home security. So I was running hard wires through attics on 110 day, 110 degree days. Wow. And if you know, if it's 110 degrees outside, how hot is it inside an attic with insulation? Oh, wow. <laughs> I can remember getting out of people's attics and like seeing spots. I'm just like, wow, <laughs> I don't know if that's healthy or not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I did that. Um, but these people uh, or uh, the people at Brinks realized that um, I had a knack for upselling people on equipment. So, like, you know, you go to a house as a t- technician, and after the initial sale is done from the salesman, you know, you could sell them on, hey, here's an extra motion detector. Do you want an extra keypad in your bedroom? Do you want another smoke detector here? Um, they noticed I was pretty good at that. So they actually made me a full-time salesman, um, uh, selling, uh, home security, you know, security consultant. So I did that for a while, did really well at it. I mean, I took my income from 20,000 a year to 60 to 70, 80,000, I think at at the most, uh, at one point. So that was a huge jump in, you know, what, what I had been making, right. And doing it a little bit easier rather than sweating to death in an attic, you know? Cool. So, <laughs> so how, how many years ago was this? Uh, this was back in 03, 04. Okay. Uh, but even during that time, um, while learning the sales business and security, I was uh, got interested in real estate because, you know, when you're, when you're first married and you move into an apartment and you don't have a lot of money, you really don't have, you know, you can't afford cable. So what you do is you watch the infomercials. <laughs> yeah. And there he was, good old Carlton Sheets. <laughs> awesome. And actually, actually, those midgets too. Do you remember the real estate midgets? You know, I've seen them once or twice. Um, yeah, they're actually Ron Legrand's like spokespeople or something wow, like really? that. Really? Yeah, I think they died actually, though. Are you serious? Both of yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, one of them, I don't know if both of them died, but I, I know you know that that that's what they were doing. And I went on eBay um, and bought some of the information, so that way I wasn't spending you know a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars on the course. You know, found one for like a hundred bucks and read through it and and kind of find found a local guy in my area that was doing it um, and and kind of watched him and, and learned a little bit from him on on how things work and. And stuff like that, but it, it never really took off for me until like maybe three three years ago, I would say, where I really, really started churning cash and, and making the machine work, so to speak. But that's kind of like a quick rundown on my background and 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 uh, where I came from and and how I got into the biz, so to speak. 
So um, what, well, what did you do with that course when you bought it and you got it? I read it, you know, and, and, it, and it was all about owner financing and how you can create financing and how that, you know, would work so well and all this stuff. But you got to remember, I mean, this is like 0405 or even 030405. What was going on with the real estate market at that time? It was screaming hot. Did anybody want to talk to you if you mentioned the word owner finance? <laughs> no. no. No, absolutely not. They looked like you had like five heads. Why? I'm not going to sell owner financing. as a cash buyer waiting right around the corner or somebody who's going to get a loan right around the corner. I mean, what was going on at that point was, you know, somebody would put their house on the market and they would get literally like 20 contracts on a property. It was this in Virginia when you when you were doing this? Yeah, yeah, Virginia Beach. Yeah, it was I, crazy. I just looked up those twin brothers. One of them died in two thousand five. What's their last name? It's not Coleman, is it? Um, John and Greg Rice. Rice. That's it. That's it. Yep. So I don't I don't know what the other one's doing. <laughs> I should... Yeah, I, yeah, I don't either. Maybe, Maybe we uh, can get them on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad idea at all. By the way, if anybody knows John or Greg Rice, <laughs> and and they're still out there, we'd love to talk to them, one of them. And, Actually, uh, I think they have a pretty motivational story, you know? I'd love to talk to them. I think they live in West Palm Beach. But yeah, anyway, if anybody, go to our website, realestateinvestingmastery.com. Go to the Contact Us link and send us... Uh, some contact information of these guys. I'd love to interview one of them. And um, I, I, I just pulled up this article in the New York Times, and um, it's from 2005. And so I, I won't bore anybody anymore with with these. <laughs> this. All right. So, um, so I'm sorry, Alex. I was semi listening. That's you, okay. You you had Carlton Sheik's course, and he was talking and about Ron owner, Grand stuff. Ron yeah. Grand. Okay. So you had a couple courses. And they were telling you to do owner financing. Yeah, uh, you know, create. But they also did talk about wholesaling at the same time. But I, but I kind of was like, um, you know, I, I was kind of like uh, the the whole the whole premise with owner financing is just like I didn't even know what like a mortgage was or what a refinance was and, and all this stuff. But, but with the wholesaling, you know, you can make a quick 500, a thousand, 2000 bucks. And I was like, ah, you know, that's, that's what like they were telling beginner, you. That's a beginner thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now I never, never imagined you can make 20,000, 30,000, 75,000 on a wholesale flip. You well, know, they were telling in the courses, they were saying you could make a few hundred bucks maybe a thousand. Yeah, well, the course is from, like, the early 90s and stuff, you know? I got them on eBay. <laughs> wow. So, okay, what did you do then? You got this course. They say talk to sellers about creative financing and buying their house. Probably they were talking about subject to taking over their mortgage or doing owner financing if they have lots of equity or whatever. Um, but it wasn't working for you, so what did you do then? Um, I kind of gave up on it and did my whole security business thing, okay. you know, and, and focused on that. And, and I, and, um, from there I actually went and, um, started my own security company with, um, with the 
the previous general manager of Brinks. And we kind of went the opposite direction. We went with the enemy, <laughs> ADT, oh. uh, which is the largest security company. And now they're the biggest. They actually just bought Brinks. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, that's one way to beat your competition, right, is to buy them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so I, I did that, and I thought I was creating myself, you know, some financial security and being able to um, create my own way, but I realized I created a job. You know, we, we, yeah. we actually did the, the company we started did really well. We went from zero to doing, uh, like, almost $2 million in a year, wow. you know? That's real good. Yeah. All right, so then... What happened to that? Why did you? When did you leave um, the security sales business? Um, I left. Oh, probably in '06. Okay. No, or wait, wait, wait. What year are we in? Twenty eleven. Oh, eleven. I think it was '08 actually. Okay. So you've been doing this a couple years. Yeah. You've been doing. Had you been doing any real estate on the side or? Yes, I was at that time. I was doing wholesaling actually. Okay. Um, actually, no, I was doing some other things. I was doing uh, lease options, like buying the property and then lease optioning it back to the previous owner. And okay. everybody knows that's a kind of a sticky situation. So, Oh, yeah. We won't go there, though. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. And I was doing subject to transactions. Uh, uh-huh. yeah, sorry, all this stuff is rushing back to me now. Doing subject to transactions. and um, Where did you learn to do this stuff? Did you buy uh, any courses? Chris- Chris Kirshner, yeah, I yeah. found some more stuff on eBay, um, and one of my one of my friends, I think, gave me the whole big Chris Kirshner uh, manual that was um, when he did an autopilot boot camp seminar type thing, and yeah. I learned subject two from him, and I was buying houses at eighty five percent of um, the ARV, which is really not good, especially when the market goes down and yep. you secure private lenders on these houses and all this crazy stuff. Uh, and one of my private lenders needed his money back, and probably two years ago, I had to outlay like thirty thousand dollars to give it back to him. I tell you, that was fun. <laughs> By the way, everybody, Alex and I have very similar stories, and I'll talk more about that when it's my turn. But <laughs> all right, so you were buying homes taking over the mortgages, owner financing, uh, or buying them with traditional bank loans. Uh, kind of crazy stuff, yeah. So yeah. how many homes did you own at one time? Well, how many um, was the most? I think I got up to like eight or nine. Okay. Cool. You know, and then and then you're obviously respo- responsible on those mortgages, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and not legally, but morally, yes, you are. So that is fun when your tenants don't pay and you're stressing about, making the payment and then chasing after the tenant and oh it's just wonderful so. all right so but you were having you had some cash flow on these properties right and you had a um, couple hundred a month cash flow not a whole bunch and if it what what cash flow do you have if a tenant doesn't pay you right <laughs> well yeah I mean, I, my story Take is like cash flow. <laughs> i had a bunch of them that were up cash flowing a couple hundred a month but I thought, you know, that's what you needed to do, right? You get out of the rat race, you buy a bunch of assets that produce passive income. And and so I thought, oh, no problem. Just get 100 homes that cash flow a couple hundred a month, and you're set. But um, all that money quickly disappears in vacancies and repairs and even on lease option homes or homes that you're selling with owner financing. Um, 
All right. So what got you into wholesaling then? Well, I realized I needed to curate cash and fast, especially if I wanted to leave the current situation that I was in, which was the security business. Right. Um, because I was, you know, I was looking for a way to be my own person and, 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 and create my own future and all that good stuff, you know, what everybody is looking to do. And the only way to do that is to pay the bills now, not tomorrow, not three years from now, not eight years from now. Yeah. It's now. And when I learned wholesaling and I, and I, and I did one of my first deals um, actually from an internet marketing lead, uh, actually the same site from that deal I was just talking to you about, the $6,000 deal, I did a $20,000 deal. Um, and that really put things in a really good spot because now I had some marketing money to throw at things. And Well, how did you find that deal? That was from my, uh, my website. My, my internet marketing website, it was just an organic lead that came through the system. Okay. So. And so, but, but did you, how did you learn about wholesaling? Uh, wholesale, well, I had always known about it, you okay. know, from, from those courses. Okay. Um, and, but I was just kind of thinking that was what the newbies do. And, you know, it's only a quick little $2,000 payday, you know, 5,000 at most. And I was like, I want to do the big boy flips and make thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. You know. All right. So that your first wholesale deal. How much did you make on that again? Twenty. Twenty thousand. Twenty dollars. Yeah, twenty dollars. Twenty-five cents. All right. So <laughs> talk talk about that deal because my first wholesale deal I made twelve thousand. So you beat me there. Okay. But okay. Um, how did you get the house under contract? What did you do? Actually, you know what? That wasn't my first wholesale deal. My first wholesale deal was a was a deal that got me out of a mess that I had gotten myself in with a lease option. Um, I actually had bought a lease option from an investor. He put a lease option together. Okay. Um, and uh, he sold me the contract for like a thousand bucks, I think. So he had a deal that was put together with a tenant and a little old you know me i'm thinking okay well if i spend a thousand then this lease option tenant buys the house from me um you know i'll make 11 so i'm like really doing a good job <laughs> okay <laughs> little you know little was that was i thinking you know that it's very rare or it's probably about what like 25 percent the time that these tenants actually buy the house from you yeah, if you don't Is do it right you know, so yeah, and this lady had a bankruptcy on her record and all this crazy stuff. But um, funny thing is, it almost worked out. She almost bought it from me. Oh yeah. You know, but um, what happened was she—I don't know—maybe she had an attorney that get involved or something like that, or she had somebody in the area say that they wanted to buy it from her. So I think she was actually trying to flip it somehow. But she, she, there was – for some reason when she originally was contracted to buy the property, it didn't include the lot behind the house. And that's what she wanted to do. She wanted that lot so she could sell the lot to somebody else and you know, make 10, 15, 20,000 or whatever it was. So she went to the closing table completely, was ready to go. Her mom had got her the money from a refinance to buy the house. I was thinking, yes, uh, yay, this is going to work out, you know. Um, and turns out that she 
notice at the closing table somehow, and I, I think she did this on purpose, like came and looked at the, the closing documents and noticed on title that that lot was not included. Um, and it turns out that that lot was not even in the contract originally, so she didn't have the right the terms to break the agreement. Um, but what happened there was this went into a whole long mess, actually. She she went um, and didn't – she stopped paying the rent while she was at the house while I was trying to fix this title situation of a deal, you know, of a lot that she really was never entitled to. Right. Um, and was trying to sue me to get her deposit back. All this from my first real estate deal. What do you think, huh? Wow. <laughs> so we went to court, did the whole nine yards or whatever, but the judge, you know, didn't like the fact that she wasn't paying the rent and the fact that she wasn't supposed to get the lot anyway. But I needed to get out of this situation fast because I wasn't making a lot of money and, you know, paying six, $700 a month to, to keep, to make the payment on this, this, this this house to the owner was was killing me so i actually did a wholesale deal <laughs> yeah. to get at so you sold it to another fool i sold it to well he wasn't a fool he actually made a lot of money he made some good money on it actually oh, okay okay yeah <laughs> oh, good good for you yeah um all right so now you all of a sudden realize after doing one or two deals that you can make pretty good money wholesaling right and um and the great thing about wholesaling, you quickly realize, is you don't have mortgage payments to worry about. You don't have vacancies to worry about. You don't have tenants to worry about. So you, when did you decide to leave your security business and go into investing full-time? That was in 08. Okay. About three years ago. Yes. And um, what made you think you could do it full-time? Well, I figured... That if real estate investing was the only thing that I had to do, that I would make it work and I had to make it work, you know? Yeah. And I really, really didn't have to have – I mean in the process too, I was uh, also rehabbing a house just to get rid of it, kind of to get rid of a subject to situation <laughs> that I'd gotten myself into right at the same time that I was leaving. So I only had like – I mean, I, I don't know if this sounds like a lot of money to people, but I only had like 20 or maybe 30,000 in the bank max at that time when, when I had left. And uh -huh. yeah, I guess that can support you for six months or something like that. Probably. Right. I right. guess a couple, three, you know, but, <laughs> but, um, but I, I mean, so it wasn't like, you know, I was like, had all this money at the time, but what really motivated was, was me wanting to be my own person and, and to make things happen for myself. And, um, what made me think I could do it was that I was doing deals here and there while at the security company. But I was like, if this was my hundred percent focus, how much more could I do? How much better could I make this? And, and, um, you know, and then obviously having my own, being my own person and my own boss. I mean, that that's a, a whole bunch better. You know. Right. Okay, so in '08, you jump ship. You start working for yourself independently. Um, and are you just focusing on wholesaling now? Yeah, that's it. And then, um, I mean, you don't have a whole bunch of money in savings, but no. you know. 
from having done these deals before that the, that it works. Absolutely. Um, so about about this time, how many when you left your job? How many were you doing? How many wholesale flips were you doing a month on average? Um, I'd say at least one. Okay. At least one. And your average sometimes two, on- sometimes three, but at least one. Um, I was averaging, I'd say, about eight thousand. Okay, and for those of you who don't know, wholesaling. By the way, go to our get our free bonus videos. We talk a lot about what wholesaling is. Realestateinvestingmastery.com. Put in your email, and you'll get all those videos there. Um, but wholesaling is getting a property under contract for a low price, and then selling it or wholesaling it to another cash buyer investor, usually for a profit. Um, and usually, there's still enough room for that investor who's buying it to there's fix gotta it up. Be. <laughs> yeah, and and they would still make a big profit, many times bigger than yours, most likely. Um, but you're in and out of the deal fast, and there's very Absolutely. little risk, if any, in it because um, the way we set it up, um, you, you don't have to close on the transaction if you don't find a buyer. But that's another topic for another time. Um, all right, so now you're working full time. Talk about how did you start ramping up your marketing? What were you doing to start getting the phone to ring? Oh yeah, I mean, at the time while I was at the security business, I was doing a lot of different things for marketing. I actually had experimented with TV advertising and things like that. Okay. Um, but um, what I found really worked for me was uh, direct mail, okay. um, mailing to absentee homeowners, and and using that method, and really uh, getting in as many leads as I possibly could, uh, you know, and. And being able to sift and sort through as many leads as I possibly could, but um, and I did that. I got I got a ton of leads in and was sifting and sorting as fast as I possibly could. But the the issue was I was going out to all these properties and I was handling all these calls myself and I was making offers myself and I was researching myself and I was doing all this stuff myself and it just took all my day doing it and then and it you know it became in capturing if that's a word (laughs) you know it 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 just kept me at my desk all day and that's what i was doing all day and at the time i didn't care because this is what i left the other job if you will to do you know i wanted to be in real estate and wanted to control my destiny and if this is what i had to do then this is what i had to do and and didn't have a problem doing it so you're getting a bunch of leads did you have anybody helping you at this time no okay no local assistant, no virtual assistant, anything like that? Nope. Nope. Okay. Cool. When did you, because you're big on using outsourcing and uh, getting systems and delegating that those systems out. Um, how long did it take you to realize you needed to get a virtual assistant, somebody to help you with this? Um, oh, it was probably maybe a year of doing that. Um and my family and I, my wife and uh, I believe my son at the time, we went to my little boy. We went to Florida for like a month and I was uh, having to still spend a lot of time dealing with the calls and the research and the virtual assistant and all this. Well, not the virtual assistant at the time, um, just dealing with all the sellers and writing it on paper and trying to keep track of it and all this stuff. and. It really wasn't efficient at all, you yep. know. Mm-hmm. So, 
I realized something had to change there and it, and it had to change fast because I mean, I would, I, 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 the freedom wasn't there that I needed, you know? Right. And, and I, and I quickly figured out that I needed to have somebody help me with this. And, you know, I had heard about virtual assistants from many different avenues and venues and, and things. And so I decided to go out and try to get me a virtual assistant that could uh, help me with this. And I got lucky because the first one that I called has been with me now for the last over two years now. So Excellent. So talk, talk a little bit about what this guy does briefly, because we did talk about this in the bonus videos. But um, this VA, everybody, actually makes offers for Alex. <laughs> talk real quickly about that. Yeah, absolutely. Because... Um, in the beginning, remember, it, uh, it was me doing everything. And right. when I used the virtual assistant to start out with, that's kind of what I was doing. I was, um, he was, I had him actually training on the, on the hangups. He was calling the hangups back and saying, you know, can I help you? Blah, 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 just to get practice talking to sellers. But, um, uh, and, and let me preface this. The way I, I have everything set up is I send out direct mail. They listen to a pre-recorded message. If they're interested, they leave a message. Right. So that's that's the way it works. So if they hang up and don't leave a message, you know, I still wanted him to call them and talk to them and things like that. But at first, I was I was telling him what leads to um, pull pull data reports on, and I was telling him what leads to offer on and what leads to uh to to call and which ones not to call and what to offer and what not to offer and again i found myself like wow i'm at this computer again having to tell him all these different things why don't i just have him do it all so i kind of kind of let just handed it over to him and said okay this is the basic offer that you're going to use and i basically took the arv or if you don't know the arv it's after repaired value or if you if you just take the tax assessment a lot of times it works Take the tax assessment, take 70% of that, and minus 30, which is a really good number for repairs. And that number 30, that comes 30,000, right? <laughs> and that comes out to a really good wholesale offer normally. And right. a lot of times we still got to be less than this. But the key is if people agree to this, then we know we're somewhat in the ballpark of where we can invest some more time on these leads. Right. Because a lot of times you spend a lot of time on leads that are terrible and will waste your time and will just be a huge time waster. So the key is just to get rid of them as fast as possible. And when you get rid of them as fast as possible and get to the good ones, you know, then you're spending your time on money and not tire kickers. Right. So. And about this time you realized you don't have to go see the house and meet the sellers to close these deals. Right. Right. Absolutely. Revolutionary. <laughs> I mean, you see, we're kind of like back in the old, you know, the 60, a lot of real estate investors and even uh, home investors, the big um, uh, uh, franchise company kind of operates off the old 60s and 70s sales model, the 10 step sales process where you go out and you look nice and you wow them with your presentation and you go through all these things and lay out the problem then lay out the solution then tell them about your company and tell them what you do and then give them social proof and you know and and that's all good that's fine yeah you know and it, and it works but i just don't want to do that i mean it's a lot of gas and a lot of time and a lot of dealing with people that really don't want to sell at the number that you need to get it at so it's like 
just get, you know get it over with. Hit them right between the eyes with the number and <laughs> and move on from there. And, and well, at least before you go meet with them, yeah, t- t- make some kind of softball offer and see if they're even close or in the same ballpark. Right. And then if they are, go ahead and schedule that time to meet with them and build rapport and all that fancy stuff. You know. Yeah, you could if you really wanted to go that far with it. I mean, or you just have send them a contract, you know, and have them send it back. But, you know, and and that goes both ways because sometimes, sometimes if you just send a contract for them to send it back is like, sometimes they don't, and you have to like bug them to get it back. And then sometimes you just have to say, okay, well, I'll meet you and sign, you know, and we'll, and yeah. we'll get the contract that way. So you kind of just have to play it by ear on that. But the the thing is, you um. You just – I think people appreciate it because we're really in a streamlined era right now, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. I, I think the way of door knocking – you know, it still works, but the idea of door knocking, going out on a whole presentation sales call, some people kind of cringe at that, you know? Well, and the other thing – if you give them an offer right away, they appreciate it. You know, it was kind of a real popular trendy thing a few years ago of virtual wholesaling, right? Right. Um, where everybody had a course out on that, but – uh, you're actually doing it. You're doing this in one other market right now besides your own market, right? Yeah, actually working on another market as well, developing another market too. So one solid market right now that's producing consistent results, and I'm working on another one. Right. I've done deals in other cities before, um, and I know it works. And so you're actually doing it. You 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 bought some courses on virtual wholesaling, one from Chico, Chris Chico. Yep. And uh, – you know, what I love about Alex, folks, those of you listening, is, um, you know, he just said he just believed it could happen. And he took it, took massive action, and he just said, I'm going to find a way to make this work. Um, if this guy says it works, I believe it works, and I'm going to do it. Um, and so it's just a matter of taking action. And But it's all, all about marketing, too, and I think you realize that very early on. Absolutely. If, if you're not doing any marketing, you're not getting any leads. If you're not right. getting any leads, you're not doing any deals, you're not making any money. Um, you, Big, vicious cycle. <laughs> you've got to make offers. Um, and there's a hundred different ways you can do wholesaling. Direct mail is just one of them. It's our favorite way, direct response, direct response marketing. Um, so cool. Alex, now you are, uh, you're doing deals in two different markets right now. You're looking at doing a third. Talk a I little bit. I actually dropped the mail. The calls are starting to come in today. So it's really new that I'm starting it. But yeah. Oh, and then uh, – you have an, an amazing way to find out where the um, where the buyers are interested in, and um, just talk briefly about that. You you go and there's there's ways that you have to find out where the cash buyers are, right? Yeah, I mean it's real easy. You just go to the public records. I mean you could use RealQuest or ListSource, and uh, you could see where the cash transactions are and. I mean, it's right before your very eyes. <laughs> and you and you target motivated sellers in those areas. Yeah, absolutely. All right, good, good, good. So cool. Now, talk a little bit right now about how much time do you spend in the business actually doing deals? Um, and approximately, you know, you don't have to give exact numbers. I know it's personal information. But uh, how many deals are you doing a month on average per a profit per deal? And how much time are you spending a week in the business, Alex? Um, well, it's about two hours a day, not counting Sunday. So what is that? Like 12 hours or something? (laughs) 12 hours a week. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, 
I mean, guys, he's not. Listen to me. He is not lying. <laughs> okay, I've known Alex for a long time, and he's not lying. Uh, he, he's he's uh, both Alex and I are strong Christians, um, and, and we take this very seriously. We take this podcast very seriously, and, yeah. and we will never intentionally lie to you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, so, I mean it's really. Yeah. Okay. Think about it. If you don't have to talk to sellers and you don't have to make offers and you don't have to look and go out to properties and you don't have to uh, research properties and pull the data reports on them, what's left to do? Right. (laughs) Not much. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, two hours is me checking up on what my virtual assistant is doing and going through and, you know, keeping on top of things. Mm-hmm. But it's not me working in my business, so to speak. You know, and if a seller needs a follow-up call, they need to talk to somebody to see that I'm real. You know, I'm there to do that and stuff like that. But it really, you know, it's really not a whole bunch of time. Um, uh, How many deals other? do you do on average? Oh, deals on average. Well, it goes up and it goes down, you know, just like anything. But, I mean, I would say at least – at least four a month, I would say, can sometimes be as high as 10, but, okay. you know, at least four. Let's say four. And what's your average profit per deal? About eight. Okay, very good. So average revenue of about, you have a calculator, you can figure this out, $32,000 a month on average, just wholesaling properties. Um, now, you got to keep in mind, too, that this, Alex, he, while he's outsourcing this stuff, um, and he's having a virtual assistant do most of it. Um, if he were to stop marketing, this isn't passive income. Um, passive income is, is is income that you're it's coming in whether you're working or not, whether you decide to take the whole year off or not. But this is a great just I love this strategy of flipping these houses, getting a system, and working the system. Um, flipping houses, getting doing the marketing, uh, making offers. Um, it can be done, and uh, it you know I don't want to say anybody can do it because there are people, um, who, uh, well, who just can't do anything. But um, it's very very easy system to duplicate, and uh, that's why Alex and I are so excited about this business. And that's one of the reasons why we've created this podcast is to share this stuff with you and to te- and to share inspirational stories like this to you guys. So you can get inspired and, and hopefully get some uh, get excited and think to yourself, man, I can do this too. It's not that hard. It's not that hard, is it, Alex? No, it's not that bad. You just got to uh, set set it up and let it go. You know, you just got to do it. Right. <laughs> just like Nike, right? Just do just, it. Just do it. Okay, cool. Now, um, I, we're running low on time here. I'm looking here at some other questions. Um... Uh, all right. What separates you, Alex, from the rest of the investors in your area? I know you are you you hate competition. Um, there, there are <laughs> that's guys. a strong word. That really is a strong word. Right. You know, you have a, 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 a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, anyway, <laughs> I'm trying to find a nicer way to put it. Uh, you. There is, there are other guys doing these deals in your market. So, what separates you from how you do this business with uh, with other investors in your area that are doing the same thing? 
Well, I do a lot of volume. I do high volume. I do lots of marketing. Um, so I would say mo. I, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how much other people are doing in my market, but you know, I'm doing deals consistently. So that's the main <clears throat> thing. Yeah. You know, I'm consistent. I've got a lot um, going at all times. Um, I'm not really meeting with sellers and stuff like that. So a seller's not going to say, oh, you know, I really like Alex over this person or Alex is a dork and I like this person better, you know. So, But do you think you could close more deals if you met with sellers? What's that? Do you think you could close more deals if you met with sellers in their homes? You know, I've thought about that. Um, but for the fact for me to go out and um, have to – drive and get in a car and get all dressed <laughs> up and i don't know what how many more deals could i close a month i or at a, or over the course of a year is it only one is it two is it three you know if if i could put it this way let's say i closed five more deals what is that forty thousand if you over the course of eight yeah i guess it sounds maybe stupid to some people but i mean it's not worth it I don't think that 40000 is is worth me having to do that because I've just created myself a job, you know? But the key, and that's really, really good. The key is the volume that you're doing. Right. Um, and, you know, we looked at the numbers once, Alex, and uh, do you mind if I share the, the – since I've already asked you, <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, on average, um, how many postcards do you need to send out um, – or how many sellers do you need to call? Do, do leads need to come in before you get a deal? Uh, yeah, well, we ran the numbers on it. Um, I would say about 50. Okay. So you need to get about 40 to 50 calls. It, it, every month is different. Remember, folks, this is very, very round numbers. But about 50 calls from sellers coming in. That could be hang-ups too, right, Alex? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that could be a hang-up or somebody that actually leaves a message, but your VA is calling every one of them back. Um, and so you get – if you send out a th about 2,000 postcards, you get an average response rate of maybe 4%. Is that right, 4 to 5%? That's about average, yeah. So if you sent out 1,000 postcards, you would, no, let's say 2,000, you would get about 80 calls back. And of those 80 calls back, you'd probably get one or two deals. That sounds about right. Okay. So, again, do you see why it's how important the volume is, folks? I mean, if you're like Alex, only sending out 500 or 1,000 postcards, I mean, if, if, you are, or if you are only sending out 500 or 1,000 postcards a month, um, you may only do one or two deals a month. If you want to do four or five or more, um, you need to be sending out as much marketing as possible. And... Um, yeah, both both Alex and I, I think we're going to be talking a lot about marketing in this podcast. Marketing that's working now, marketing that's not. I mean, th when the market changes, you have to change with it. Um, but at the same time, what's probably never changed in real estate investing is the is uh, how well direct mail works. Um, the great thing about postcards and yellow letters and <clears throat> and flyers and things like that is because you can you can target the homes that you want to buy. And you can target the homes that you know your cash buyers want to buy, your investors. So um, that's awesome.
All right, Alex, hey, real quick, talk about some of the future goals of your business and then talk about some advice for beginners. What, what are some of your goals that you have for your business in your future and how long do you want to do this? Well, I mean, I, I definitely want to keep things the way they're going. Um, at most, what I, I, I guess I would like to expand into more markets because, mm-hmm. you know, I have a system that works that I use. Yeah. So if I could just take it and duplicate it in more markets, you know, I'll make myself some more money just by kind of duplicating what I do already. So that's definitely a goal of mine. Um, I've uh, kind of I've taken a lot of people have been asking me about mentoring and things like that. So I've taken on some students to kind of show them what I do and how I do it. And uh, that's taking up a little bit of my time right now as well. But I would like to uh, definitely goals in the future expand into some more markets, get them producing consistently, yeah, um, and also take on some more students and have them develop consistent system and, and get things moving uh, in the right direction and free themselves from this thing we call the job, J-O-B. <laughs> That's right. Do you see yourself um, buying any rental properties with cash in the future and, and uh, retiring off the passive income from big rental properties? You know, that's a good question. And I, I think I should probably, I, I should, um, I, I should. And I think the whole key to that is being able to buy them with cash and own them free and clear, exactly. no mortgages, right. you know? Right. So if I was able to amass, you know, a million dollars in the bank, um, a solid million, maybe even a, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I'm just saying you, can you take, you know, 200,000 of that, um, and buy depending on the market, I guess, you know, maybe even a little more and buy, you know, a whole bunch of rentals in solid areas and get them cash flowing a thousand a month. I mean, that would be a pretty easy way to generate uh, a nice three or 4,000 a month, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. Just as long as there's no mortgage there. And if you had zero debt, I mean, and I talk about this a lot, um, you could live really high on the hog with only a few four or $5,000 a month. Yeah. Oh, Um, yeah. So that's what I... And that's the key. That's the key, you know, and and we agree with this this whole line of thinking. I'm I'm not trying to live the high life, spending all this money at all times and being crazy and all this stuff. I'm I'm actually about lowering expenses. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, getting rid of payments and debt and things like that to where I really don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> Wouldn't it be? And, and I'm going to be interviewing uh, Steve Cook um, pretty soon here from Life in Air. Um, and, and, and I can't wait, Alex, to let you listen to this um, interview with them. They I'll talk about the, the four stages of wealth. Um, but it's about simplifying your life. Um, and, and this is from a guy who had to clear. I forget his story. I mean, he had to clear like $65,000 a month just to break even. Oh, And, um, wow. you know, he used to be, you hear him tell a story. Um, same with Sean McCloskey. These two guys are coaches of mine through life in there. And you hear, you hear them tell their story about, um, you know, they used to be so happy with making $5,000 on a deal. Um, and, and, then, and then as they got bigger and bigger and bigger, getting really ticked off when they only made $5,000 on a deal because it was <laughs> enough to just pay their overhead for a week. You know, right. Um, and so, one of the things in this in this my one of my goals in the podcast here is to talk about um, how to live financially free, how to be independent, and how real estate can help you do that. 
Um, and, and debt is one of the things that can really kill you <clears throat> financially and spiritually and uh, whatever. Um, but real estate is an avenue that you could use to um, become financially free and, and help other people. Um, so cool. Great, great. That's a little side rabbit trail there. But um, real quick, Alex, talk about any advice for beginners. What would you tell people just getting started, kind of have a curious interest in real estate, get inspired by hearing your story? What advice would you give to them? Um, well, the main thing is to go for it. You know, a lot of people say, well, I'll go for it when I have this, 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 and, and, and all my ducks in a row. Or, well, I'll start doing this when I have this, 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 this and this. Um, I've talked to some people um, about uh, who wanted to uh, wanted me to be their, you know, their coach and their mentor. And they'll say, well, I'll start working with you once I get a deal and I can, you know, and I can pay you for your services or whatever. And, and it's like it's the same thing. It's like, well, what are you doing right now? Why is this going to change for you? What What's going to make the difference? You know, and it's it's actually getting out and doing something. And there's a reason for anybody who's listening on this call to why you're still in the position you're in. It's because you haven't changed anything you're doing. You're still doing the same thing. Um, and, and the key is just to, to get out there and do something. If, if you don't have money for uh, doing big direct mail drops, put out some bandit signs, get some calls coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, get, uh, start researching the probate records and sending out letters to them, you know, there's a lot of things you can do, but the key is to just get leads coming into your business. That's that's the main thing. Leads in the business and develop a mindset that doesn't look back. Not, well, try this out and see how it goes. Not, you know, if it doesn't work out, well, I can always go back to my job. That's the complete wrong mindset. Right. You have to say, this is it. There's nothing else. And I got to do this or else my family starves, you know? So simple, but you know it's so true. You're absolutely right on. So there's my advice for beginners. <laughs> All right, man, this is cool. I'm excited about this podcast, man, and talking about things like this and meeting more people like you, Alex. And um, next week we'll uh, we'll share my story, my interview. And um, but we're we have a bunch of really cool interviews lined up with a bunch of exciting people that are in this business, doing real estate deals every day, making a handsome living. But uh, Alex has a website you can go to to get more information about him. It's liverealestateinvestor.com. Live l i v e realestateinvestor.com. Get more information about Alex. And also on our website, realestateinvestingmastery.com, you can download these this actual podcast episode. You can uh, listen to future previous episodes and uh, get our free bonus. Um, pretty incredible content that we have in there in that bonus. Um, we debated for a long time whether we should even offer something like that for free. Um, but <laughs> I prevailed. <laughs> I, and we'll see. Maybe we'll take it off. Depending sure. On. Make yourself look like the good guy. I got gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. Anyway. Hey, thanks, Alex. 